Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. And soon I shall be greeting you with another greeting, the greeting of the Christmas season. But I will wait until that actually happens. In other words, the birth of our Savior in the flesh actually does happen. Then I will greet you with the customary greeting at that time. But for now, for just a couple more days, it is glory to Jesus Christ. And of course, you respond with, that's right, glory to him forever. I'm glad you're here. I am glad to be with you as we approach now that moment of the coming of our Lord in the flesh, the great incarnation, the condescension. I'm also glad and honored to have on our program today as we approach the Christmas day, a message from my bishop, Bishop John Kudrick of the Eparch of Parma, out of which this program emanates. Hello, this is Bishop John Kudrick of the Byzantine Catholic Eparchy of Parma. St. Paul reminds us, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. May this year's celebration of our Lord's Nativity remind us of the powerful light that saves us. May we also be reminded that we are called to share that light. Let's begin by proclaiming, Christ is born, glorify him. As we approach the actual event of our Lord's coming in the flesh, in other words, the incarnation, the great condescension. Notice how many phrases we use or terms we use to describe this. The least of them, and believe it or not, in the Eastern churches is Christmas. Yes, it is Christmas, and we'll certainly use that term. But we prefer actually these other terms, incarnation, especially that one. I especially like that one, incarnation or the divine condescension the great kenosis, in other words, the self-emptying of God, because it describes that one great mystery, which is what Christmas is really about. It's the great mystery, the one only great mystery, where an invisible, incomprehensible, uncontainable God condescends, self-empties, and becomes what he was not while remaining what he is. The creator becomes the creature while still remaining the Creator. The uncontainable one is contained and within the womb of a virgin, making, of course, her more spacious than the heavens. It is a mystery in all kinds of accounts, but especially is the one fundamental mystery of God's spousal love for us, that spousal relationship of God to us. He created us and all creation, by extension, as his bride, simply so he could pour his love into us. He could unite with us intimately, 
and we could reciprocate that love having been filled with that love like a bride and a groom. And everything in life, everything is either an affirmation or an erosion or a dilution of that one great mystery. Either we are ratifying it, participating in it, manifesting it, pointing to it, or we are somehow denying it, diluting it, eroding it. That is why it is the one great mystery. And oftentimes I hear during this time of year, maybe you have noticed too, the television programs, many of the stories that have been popular, some of them for many years, you know, like the Grinch who stole Christmas. Have you noticed that in these stories, there's always some kind of threat to Christmas? Either Grinch might steal it, or Santa may not arrive on time, or something may not happen in time for Christmas. As though Christmas were entirely up to our own human endeavors and plans and things that have to go right, events and circumstances. We even speak about whether we had a good Christmas or a bad Christmas or something could ruin our Christmas. But you know, all of that is wrong. You can't steal or ruin Christmas. Even if you have things that we consider to be bad on Christmas, even tragedies, maybe even a death, a loss, even under tragic circumstances. Because Christmas is not about a human endeavor or a one-time celebration where everything has to be right or we say it was not a good Christmas. You cannot steal or take away Christmas because it already happened. It is an event and it is an encounter. It's an event of the incarnation, the great mystery. And it is on our part then an encounter with that great mystery and the person of Jesus Christ at the center of that great mystery. We enter into that one event time and time again, just as we do in the Eucharist. In the Eucharist, Jesus is not sacrificed again and again. It's a one-time event that spans all time that we simply enter into. So it is with the incarnation. God has incarnated himself once and for all. And we enter into that mystery as though it were happening now. Each time it happens, every Christmas is our first and only Christmas. That's how we have to look at it. And no matter what happens, God has still incarnated himself in our reality. In fact, especially in the dark aspects of reality. Think about it. Think about the manger scene. Think about the scenes you get on Christmas cards. Think about the icon of the nativity. Where do we find Christ? We find him radiating light amidst darkness in a dark cave, in a manger. And yet he emanates light. So he is the light that comes into the darkness. He's not just light that comes into light. It's not just the light that makes our good Christmas. It's the fact that God is there, as we sing in the Byzantine church, God is with us, even in the darkness. When do we go to church, most people? When is the great tradition of church on Christmas? It's on Christmas Eve, right? We go to the darkened church, which then is ablaze with lights and candles and decorations and singing joyfully. So it's light amidst the darkness, The darkness can't take away Christmas. 
No one can. It already happened, and it is still happening. And we enter into that. We encounter that event, and we encounter the person at the center of that event. It is a privilege, a blessing, an honor for me to be a priest, especially during these high holy days, because I get the privilege of immersing myself. I mean, you do, you do too, but I do in a special way, obviously, because I'm a priest, into the deep and full prayer of the church, which really does take me. It really does. It takes me to Bethlehem. It takes me there as though I was there, like one of the wise men and the shepherds, or one of the angels, although I won't be that presumptuous, but whatever, I feel that I am actually there through the liturgy of the church, because liturgy spans all time. Liturgy is timeless. We enter into that moment. That's the magic of liturgy. Why we have to go to church, especially to attend the Eucharistic celebrations, because through the Eucharist and also the prayer of the church, the prayer's liturgy, that is the way in which we enter into time, a timelessness. And one of the ways that we do, as I mentioned, is through the prayer of the church. In the Eastern churches, we have this incredible gift, this gem called dogmatic hymn. We chant the meaning of the event. For example, today, on the Sunday before Christmas, we chant this, Bethlehem, make ready, for Eden has been opened for all. Ephrathah, be alert, for the tree of life has blossomed forth from the virgin in the cave. Her womb has become a spiritual paradise wherein the divine fruit was planted. And if we eat of it, we shall live and not die like Adam. Christ is coming forth to bring back to life the likeness that has been lost in the beginning. Now, this prayer that we chant is full of dogma. If you notice, it kind of goes back and forth between the Old Testament and the New Testament from allegory and types to archetype, especially this phrase here, the tree of life has blossomed from the virgin in the cave. Her womb has become a spiritual paradise. Now, I see there's the references to Eve and the Garden of Eden, but even the Garden of Eden become these foreshadowings, these typologies, these allegories, what will later on be the virgin mother who will become a spiritual paradise And within her paradise, the divine fruit was planted, who, of course, is Christ. Then it says, if we eat of it, now there's a reference, of course, to the fruit in the Garden of Eden. If we eat of it, we shall live and not die like Adam. Now that becomes the Eucharist then. If we eat the life-giving body and blood of Christ, we shall not die spiritually like Adam. Because we are feeding upon, mystically feeding upon, the body and blood of the new Adam, Jesus Christ. Christ is coming forth to bring back to life the likeness that had been lost in the beginning. Again, it takes us back to the beginning, and it sees the beginning in light of Christ. We were meant to be images of God from the beginning and forever, but we lost the likeness and tarnished the image through sin. So Christ had to come and restore, regain the likeness that had been lost 
in the beginning. So you see how it kind of bounces between the Old Testament and the New, but then giving light, shedding light upon the meaning of Eucharist and of Jesus Christ himself and of his blessed mother, the new Adam and the new Eve. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Welcome to a St. Nicholas Minute. What is a saint anyway? Although I was imprisoned for seven years during a terrible persecution of the church under the pagan Roman emperor Diocletian, I'm one of the first saints honored not because I suffered a bloody martyrdom like St. Peter or St. Paul. I was called a saint because people began to say, Nicholas loves Jesus so much that you can see a lot of Jesus in him. And that's what a saint is, someone who wants to become more and more like Jesus, who is the light of the world each and every day of our lives. One day when a class of parochial school students were in church, their pastor asked the assembly of children, what is a saint? Then a first grade girl pointed up to a stained glass image of a saint saying, saints are those people who let the light in. And so as we celebrate the birth of Christ, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Christ is born, glorify him. <laughs> You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. When you reach God, there's always more. And now, a Sheptitsky Institute Minute with Father Peter Galadza. At a retreat for priests, Andrei Sheptitsky once said, For all creatures, even the most exalted and perfect, God is always an abyss of unapproachable light. The more one knows God, the more one is conscious of that infinite abyss of unapproachable light. That infinite abyss that God continues to be even for those who see him face to face. And in fact, for them, this is especially true for they who are on the way to the kingdom understand better than all other people on earth the degree to which God's being infinitely transcends everything. Holy ignorance is the most complete knowledge of the divine. To learn about degree programs in Eastern Christian Studies, visit sheptitskyinstitute.ca. That's S-H-E-P-T-Y-T-S-K-Y institute dot C-A. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host, as we prepare for the coming of our Lord, God and Savior Jesus Christ in the flesh. Just another one of those ways in which we describe Christmas. The second person of the Trinity takes on flesh. The creator becomes the creature while still remaining the creator. We're looking at how through the liturgy of the church, especially in particular the Eastern churches, we immerse ourselves in this event. We can't emphasize enough that Christmas is about an event that is still happening and we encounter that event and the person of Jesus Christ at the center of it. That's what makes our Christmas. No one can steal it. It can never be bad. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it fun to have faith and to enter into the mystery of Jesus Christ through the liturgy and our faith, the church? Because it's win-win. Even if so-called bad things happen to us, Christ is there. 
amidst the darkness. So it's always Christmas and always a good Christmas. In fact, in our divine liturgy, we sing a hymn, the hymn of the incarnation. Every divine liturgy in the Byzantine church for over 1,500 years, this hymn is a part of that liturgy. It is never not sung. It is always sung. And it's called the hymn of the incarnation. That hymn of the Incarnation is sung at every Byzantine liturgy, as I mentioned. So, the Incarnation is there in the liturgy at all times and in various ways. But, of course, we also do have our particular Christmas carols and chants of the season. I mentioned that one of the great gems of the Eastern churches, in particular the Byzantine church, its liturgy, is the dogmatic hymnody. But we also have within our prayers some very, very human touches as well. In the Vesper service on December 24th, there is in the liturgical text a soliloquy from the Virgin Mary. We get a glimpse into her heart. And this is what we pray. 
Having learned that you were to be born as a king, the kings from the east come to you, bringing gifts of frankincense, myrrh, and gold, O son. Behold them standing before the doors, bid them enter to gaze upon you, held in my arms as a child, even though you are older than ancient Adam. Come and make haste to enter, said the virgin to the magi, and behold him who is invisible, is now visibly manifest, and has become a child. I hold in my arms as a child the one who upholds all, and I am filled with amazement. How shall I feed you with milk? For you give food to all, O my son and my creator. I glorify your infinite condescension, whereby you save the perishing world. I mentioned earlier how the great mystery is about, but of course by great mystery we mean Christmas, the birth of Christ. The great mystery is essentially about the spousal mystery, the great mystical marriage between God, who is the groom, and his bride, who is us, and by extension the whole world. Listen to this liturgical text again from December 24th from the Byzantine Vesper Service. The steward of justice adorned you as a pure virgin and as a glorious martyr with two crowns. O bride of Christ, he prepared a bridal chamber illuminated with radiant lights, where you have taken your abode with your betrothed. Actually, this verse is in reference to a woman martyr whose face falls on December 24th, but listen to this reference in regard to the mother of God. Before the nativity of the Son of God, it was fitting for the Father to bestow the most pure conception upon the Mother of God, who is betrothed 
to the Holy Spirit, that she might be filled with heavenly gifts in her manner beyond all other creatures. Glory and praise to the Lord who willed it so, the creator of all things. So you see the reference to the mother of God, and we have many of those throughout the liturgical texts in reference to her throughout the year, actually. She is referred to oftentimes as the nuptial chamber or the betrothed to the Holy Spirit. So again, we see this spousal mystery, all part of the great mystery, which is also called Christmas. During this day, this is the day before Christmas, the Sunday before Christmas, in the Byzantine, litur- in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, we also call it the Sunday of the Holy Forefathers of Christ. In other words, we kind of go back through his entire genealogy, and we reference the way God acted to work out his plan of salvation through generations upon generations of people and the events of their lives. In other words, it's a, it's a in other words, it's a veritable walk through the Old Testament. And we sing things, again, things like this that are of a scriptural and dogmatic nature on this day, the Sunday before Christmas. The faithful and God-wise youths are radiant with joy in the furnace. They herald the nativity of Christ on earth as the precious dew which the Lord sent down. He now preserves the virgin without stain and enriches her with sublime gifts. Therefore, Daniel, inspired by God, is also happy and full of joy because he had a clear vision of the unhewn stone from the mountain. He now zealously prays for our souls. If we were to sum up in one word this great mystery and the spirit of this season of our Lord's nativity, it would have to be the word gift. And so on behalf of all of us here at Light of the East, Armin, our producer and engineer, and myself, Father Tom Loya, your host, I want to extend to all of you our heartfelt gratitude for the gift of yourself. I want to thank Almighty God for the gift, the privilege of being able to use this wonderful medium of radio to incarnate the incarnation. God is with us. May you have a blessed feast of our Lord's nativity. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East.